0: Guys, welcome to another episode, of MC Anime. I'm MC Anime. We have another special guest with us today. How you doing? What's going guys? on?
1: <laughs> all right, I, I kind of missed it off cue. Apologies. Uh, what's going on, folks? Rich here for RageWorks and the RageWorks Podcast Network. Um, also, host of Toys and Tech of the Trade, all of which you can stay up to date on by visiting us at rageworks.net or rageworksnetwork.com.
0: Wow. So we are covering a particular topic of you know a big rivalry in comics Marvel and DC comics the comparison between the two and then we're also going to hit on the treasury market of independent comics competing in the same space as these two big names. Yep. Yeah. So let's dive I think Let's see, was it Marvel that came first, or DC Comics? I'm not sure.
1: Well, it depends on, on how how people view the comic book industry. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously there's been renames, acquisitions, etc. Um, but in, in my opinion, I feel that both have such a storied history that I kind of feel like their histories run in tandem. Mm-hmm. And there were just, like, pivotal moments that kind of put each one on the map, obviously, in Marvel's case there they had a varied catalog of heroes and then Spider-Man kind of just started really putting putting a huge spotlight on the company in general. I mean Fantastic 4 as well, but I just feel I always feel like Spider-Man kind of just launched Marvel into a different category. With DC it's it's easy to always point at Superman being kind of like the foundation of the of the business, but I still feel that Batman was the was the character, much like Spider Man for Marvel, that kind of launched both of them forward.
0: True. I guess we can do that uh, con- comparison of like I think Superman was like the first big comic, and that took off really well. And the S webzing Hope kind of just signify anything Superman at that point.
1: you know when you look at when you look at DC i mean we're talking about a we're talking about a company that like i said just has such a such a storied history mm-hmm. um you know going back to the 30s and and evolving little by little all the way to like i said action comics detective comics and seeing what the impact of that company the thing about them which i've always felt is that dc they lean very heavily into I don't want to say it's a reliance on those um, original characters, but I just feel that once once you start stripping away a lot of those characters and getting into some of the other more compelling ones, like Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, that's when you start getting a better understanding of DC as a whole. I mean, when you look at Marvel, you know, Marvel, same thing, founded in what 1939, and back then it was Timely Comics, and... It continued to evolve, but guys like Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, they started really just putting their imprint on the company as a whole, and I think that once that happened, people just started embracing each of them for, for the unique characters and not so much the stories. The stories started kind of coming together later on.
0: Yeah. So it's like the arrangement of characters coming into play, boosting up the catalog, and being diverse in what they're offering and the stories were like a way to capitalize on the catalog of characters once they are established to build up the story even more to build up a different fan base
1: I can ag- I can agree with that especially because there was there's always a a subset of of fans in the sense of there's some fans that really like the the detective batman stories and the darker and the darker tone of the books versus the people that like the more uh more grassroots you know apple pie uh superman stories and the thing about it is that each character kind of starts dividing uh, a fandom even further because there's even people that prefer more action heavy batman stories and then there's other people that prefer more detective, noir, slow-paced storytelling that just has good dialogue and kind of just leads up to just a bigger a bigger conclusion. Yeah. Meanwhile, on the Marvel side, they they definitely, I don't want to say they go action-heavy, but I also feel that Marvel tries to really um, wow you with a lot of imagery. Yeah. And then yeah. they kind of tie the stories together as the books progress. Like, sometimes you can see an amazing book with a beautiful cover, then you read it and the story itself is not very good. It's the
0: oldest bait and switch in the book. True. And also with uh, with that comparison it's like, well, some stories hit hit do better than others in terms of practicality and connection to the audience, while other heroes were maybe really good stories just didn't really connect with the audience as much.
1: Oh, it, it, it's, it happens all the time. I mean, a lot of, especially now with the current run of books, there are a lot of people that they, you know, they watch like Luke Cage, the TV show, but the popularity of Luke Cage, the TV show, doesn't necessarily translate into a constant consumption of Luke Cage books. There's plenty of times where Luke Cage's books have been canceled just because they weren't selling. Um, same thing with Iron Fist. Um... A lot of these characters, they came into the mainstream, and it's great. But I've always wanted to know what the what the correlation is between the characters on television and how much they influence the, the purchasing of books. Are you getting new fans on a consistent basis? It's a number that's never truly talked about, and it's not
0: really released often. True. And what, what were the times that that information was released that revealed the popularity of the secondary adaptation from the comics
1: I feel I feel that 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 number is kind of skewed meaning that I've heard I've seen conflicting reports on that but when I've gone to local stores to, to buy books or just to, to talk to store owners they they always say that when like a new spider-man movie comes out or something like that or yeah. or something that really gets the kids attention that's when kids are more interested, and you see an influx of more kids coming to the stores wanting to read books. And sometimes, if if the the child's parents are a co- are comic book fans, it's it's kind of like an easy transition for the kids to get involved because it's just easier to explain. But the more mainstream characters—Batman, Superman, The Avengers, uh, Captain America—they started. I feel like their popularity kind of moved more of a younger fan base to want to seek out books older fans are always going to be loyal to those books and some of them are even coming back to comics because they just want to reacquaint themselves and and compare the stuff that's going on on the big screen with the books and obviously there's going to be a disconnect and there's going to be changes but some people kind of get back into it based on the movies but that number like i said it's always it's always ever changing depending on who you ask and and what kind of metrics they're really digging into.
0: Okay. That does bring up an interesting question that, uh, you know, the audiences, the trends in the marketplace tend to influence the sales and the connection to buy more books, which, you know, comics to me, are really a big sell because that is the push of the, the physical media of that brand. That is the brand, though we're pushing out the books to sell off the revenue to start off that p- character to keep pushing out more issues
1: true i think I think one of the one of the things about it is also that when when the books are out there, especially now that that grading and yeah. looking at comic books as an investment tool has started to take off now. It's a matter of, and this is again a separate metric, are the people buying the books to read the books or are the people buying the books for investment and to, take the, and to send them out to get graded? Because that's a big disconnect as well if you yeah. think about it. If people go into a store and purchase a book and they purchase a number one or a first appearance or whatever, it's going to obviously inflate the value of the book and people that may want to actually pick up the book to read it and learn about the character sometimes have to either wait for a second printing or pick up a graphic novel because the value of the book now has increased exponentially yeah. in part yeah. because people are kind of manufacturing the hype by sending out these books to
0: get graded. True, and the you know the grading system is nice because it gives you like the appearance of the value, and, you know... 9.9 9 or 9.5, whatever the grade would be, terms of the value and the uh, price and the rarity of the book, because if there's only like 100 published, and you have like a grade 9.5, that's worth a lot more money than a grade point seven point five, which is in good condition, which 9.5 is like almost perfect condition. It's like mint condition. Right. That, in fluctuation, a demand kind of pushes the market into one particular sector to achieve the most expensive product possible to increase the demand for that book. Because there's not so many prints of that particular book, and once they're out in circulation, they have to be resold privately for someone else to have in a private collection. But the private collection really... At that point, is getting really first editions or rarity books with high grades, and then those sticking, though basically still in the same the in the same original plaque from the grading company, and they don't read it. Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's
1: a huge part of it, and that goes that reinforces what I was saying before about you know reading books for investment and collecting books just for, for sheer, to read them and to and to really enjoy them. And that kind of throws the fan base in uh, in flux, so to speak, because, like I said, you have people that now you're increasing the sales of the book because you're buying a raw copy and a copy to get graded. And those fans are kind of the fans you want because you know they're going to read the books and, and consume them. But then, like I said, you also have the fans... That are picking up these books strictly because they know it's a first appearance or a number one or a special cover mm-hmm. or some sort of a milestone that w- is, is going to go up in value. I mean, even right now, for for instance, if you look at um, some of the Star Wars books, any books with like uh, Black Kersantan that just um, that just appeared in Book of Boba Fett, his first appearance and any books with him have just gone up uh quite a bit in the last couple of weeks after his appearances on the show. And now once again, are these people that are seeking it out because they want to learn more about the character or are these people that are seeking it out because they know there's an opportunity for investment because this character's becoming popular?
0: Yeah, there's a hard distinction between those two because they often blur they come together. And you don't really exactly know. The only way to know is like taking surveys, but even surveys only represent a small population. Correct. So you're never going to get the full scope, and that brings down to what comics used to be. They want as they want in demand as for value. They're more in demand for the reading and catching up with the, your favorite character. Yep. So you think that there's a market for that particularly to happen? Do you think online is a tool that will increase readingship instead of the physical copies? Because another totally different problem, because that's like online streaming and uh, subscription-based.
1: So, I think that digital has really opened it up for people that want to just enjoy the books, but don't want to make the investment and don't have the storage to keep up with hundreds of books. There's plenty of people I know that are reading older books that are just impossible to find strictly because they know that it's just easier to open up an iPad or open up a Kindle device and and consume those books and enjoy them. While yes, it's great that you can hold the tangible book, at the end of the day, it's like anything else. Are you going to keep the book? And if so, is it going to become something going to get tossed in a closet after you read it. I think that it becomes a, 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 a pretty big pendulum shift yeah. of people that want to make sure that they can read the stories and enjoy them, but just don't want to deal with the collecting of books, because yeah. that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand, that, that the collecting of books isn't just buying comics, but you got to buy them, maintain them, make sure they're in clean bags, have them boarded up, make sure they're in good boxes and protect them. And some people do that and they may want to pass them on to their children or their grandchildren. And in that case, totally makes sense. But then there's, like I said, a a new school of reader. And I've kind of shifted to this personally that I just want to read the books and don't want to deal with all of the other stuff. I mean, I have boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of books in my home and I very rarely take them out to read them so much so that I'm just downsizing a lot of my collection because of that.
0: And also, you probably already read them once or twice, and reading them again it's not in your schedule as much either
1: well yeah it's like i said it's easier it's easier to have an uh, you know a jo- i i i say this jokingly, but kind of not it's easier to have a tablet like in the bathroom and you can read a book, or it's easier to take a tablet with you on the train and read a book versus worrying about. Oh no, I just threw this book in my bag and I bent the spine or, you know, the cover got ripped. Mm. And now I just I just ruined this book. So, that's a lot that's a lot to consider, especially if you just strictly want to read it and then, you know, the book gets messed up. Now if you wanted to hold on to it for a future opportunity, you're not going to get you're not going to get a, a, as much as you thought you were because the condition of the book isn't the same.
0: True. Let's go back to, like, the Marvel and DC discussion for a bit. Um, do you think the reboots, like, the resets to the comic books themselves in DC and Marvel are good? Or do you think that takes... just makes it lazy story writing? I, I It depends on the circumstance. I, I think that...
1: If you're doing it to consolidate a lot, because, I mean, Marvel did that when they consolidated the Ultimate Universe, yeah, and they kind of eliminated a lot of those Ultimate characters. Miles Morales came into the regular Marvel Universe, et cetera. So, in that context, I, if it's a matter that you're, you're streamlining your catalog, then I can understand it. But in DC's case, yeah. it's like, hey, we did this for five years, it's kind of working, but... Maybe we could do something better. Let's just scrap everything and start over. And I feel that when you do that, you kind of devalue a lot of the importance of stories that rebooted the universe previously. Like Crisis on Infinite Earths did a lot to, to kind of flesh out and give us like one one main DC universe, but also acknowledging that there are alternate universes where stories can take place. Yeah. But the problem is that In the midst of all that, DC wanted to continue doing all of these other future events with their characters while not working on and focusing on the stuff that they currently have. Like, how you know, let's do more stories with Wonder Woman instead of just let's do a Wonder Woman in the future book and hope that. The the, the the fans resonate with that. I mean, it's great if you want to do that, but you should include that within the main continuity and do it in little bits, you know, sprinkle it in there to kind of gauge fan, yeah. fan interest. Because what happens is you go, you launch a bunch of new books with a bunch of futurist, you know, characters, uh, you know, a new Batman or, or who's the new Superman or yeah. a new person is Wonder Woman without any additional context and people they may get into it but some people may get soured Mm -hmm. because you haven't done enough with the current characters that you're so invested in creating new ones to replace them
0: and I also feel like the uh major reboots from dc comics i think there's like what the like like the third reboot to like the sixth reboot almost identical like there's not like much difference between them yeah they
1: they use it as a lo- as a tip as a as a catalyst to either i always laugh at it because it's sometimes a catalyst to cancel books yeah. like it's a good way to oh you know let's flesh this out and and then we'll launch a brand new and exciting universe et cetera and it's just like look if the books don't sell, hmm. then just cancel the books you don't need to you don't need to gif wrap it in a giant story to kill off or introduce new characters just introduce them
0: yeah. And I think Marvel has just, like... They've only done, like, five reboots, but it's all been pinnacle reasons why. Right. And people just, with DC, feel that the reboots is just, like... What's the point if you have so many and it's hard to keep up with? We don't know which version of that... Like, which version is this elseworld or this uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, or is this from the 70s reboot, and... This right. is totally different. Not in canon with the main story, and it just caused a lot of confusion because it literally says which Batman? Was Batman from this universe? Yep. Is he canning in this reboot? Or was that reboot taken off in a different direction? Than the new reboot?
1: Absolutely. I mean, the New Fifty Two um, confused a lot of people because it was like a new a new dawning of of a new bunch of storytelling and a, and rebooting a bunch of books and uh you know renumbering and all of this crazy stuff and people just didn't know how to how to adjust to that because there was so much there was so much confusion it's like okay so does this take place and acknowledge previous events is it brand new it was it was definitely very confusing when they did that
0: mm-hmm. and also to me i feel like the disconnect is not knowing what your audience wants. So with DC, they just kept pushing out more stories that necessarily didn't target the audience they wanted and have the impact they wanted. So they just kept putting more and more stories that were just like, well, if this didn't work, maybe it can work again or a different way. I agree. But I also feel like, with all the superheroes in DC Comics... Actually, they have a better. I don't say they have a better catalog than Marvel, but they have a more organized catalog. Like, the there's like the Justice League compared to the Avengers is a lot more standalone. You can see the organization aspect within the team. Like, the, uh, DC doesn't have as much team, but Marvel has more team base. Yeah, and, and I mean, right now
1: there's a whole there's a whole big thing where DC's going to, ki- you know, do the big thing and kill off the Justice League, and they're going to use that as a as a catalyst to introduce new characters and again make more changes.
0: But I feel like the Justice League is so well done that they don't need to kill them off. I agree. Like the organization of the Justice League itself is really interesting because it's like you can get you can have different uh, matchups with different people based in the league and still be really good. You can have, like, a micro-subset team that's still part of the Justice League, but, uh, like, Quadrant A and Squad B can go here, and you can have the stories like that. Yep, I agree. And you can still call them that by whatever team they want to go by. Like... The elite five will now be in this comic to do this, that would still be really good.
1: No, I don't disagree, but it's just it's just easier, like I said, to pull the plug and start over and then use that as a catalyst to just move more books because people are gonna be like, Oh well this is kind of important, let me go and pick up, you know, seven other books to read that may or may not be good. 12 months from now. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting situation.
0: With DC, I feel like they have so much to market in standalone stories that they that's literally what their uniqueness is, has always been. Different people giving you like new stories to the character and that actually buying to that character.
1: I mean, I've, I feel that that's a better it, it, it's those efforts are, are being shown. Now, by them doing movies on different characters and not necessarily making them all be interconnected while while interconnection is great, I feel that them doing standalone projects just removes the pressure of them having to keep up with Marvel when it comes to the big screen. And if they were if they use that same thought process with their books and focused on you know, hey, let's build on these books and these standalone characters. Mm. But I feel so much energy is invested into Batman in particular. You know, you have five or six different Batman books and and different Batman uh, huge stories going on that it kind of takes the focus away from everybody else, even though they're still getting a lot of action and a lot of creative influence. It's not on the same level as Batman who sells the most books, you know?
0: Yeah, I think the okay. media that DC has found themselves to be really successful, we have the Arrowverse, and then we also have the DC animated universe, too. Those do really yeah. well as, like, projects that transfer, like, different books and sell different books and have lots of popularity and nostalgia. I can
1: agree with that. I mean, the thing is that the 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 TV shows... I feel like they don't know or there's a, there's a inability to kind of wrap up a story. Like if you, if you feel that a series is good, you should always have an end in sight. Like, Hey, you know, we're going to do five series, six series, because at the end of the day, what's going to end up happening is there's going to be a, a, a loss of quality over time because you've kind of gone to the well with everything. I mean, uh, the Flash is a great example where, yeah. um, you know, the first few seasons were amazing, but once you kind of dig deep into his catalog of villains, like, if it's not Reverse Flash or some of the bigger villains, yeah. it becomes yeah. a lot of filler, and then people lose interest.
0: Yeah. You know, I love the Arrowverse and how they did it, you know. I think they had, like, way too many seasons of the Arrow, but, you know, that's a different story. Right. But... I mean, they still did really good in the first couple of seasons to bring them on and market them, and like they have more TV, like more TV show related content than Marvel does, and Marvel is just getting into that. And you know, Marvel is capping their income with TV shows that are like only six episodes in the Marvel Studios.
1: Yeah, I feel I've always felt like their shows were a little too short. Yeah, I feel that the you know certain stories you kind of need at least maybe eight or ten episodes, Mm -hmm. and the reason is because when you look at six episodes, they're not even necessarily all an hour, so you're not even getting six true hours of television. Yeah. So it's a little difficult, and I, I feel that Marvel kind of they. They start off strong, and then they kind of sprint to the finish because they're kind of tied to this six-episode formula that they like to use. And I don't feel that that's necessarily the right approach. But again, that's just something that I personally feel. uh, Others may disagree with that statement.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Now we talked a little bit about Marvel and DC and like different streamlined projects. The tertiary market for comics, the independent sector... What are some big names that come off? I know Dark Horse is one, or there's a couple others.
1: Uh, Dark Horse, IDW, Image, um, all of those companies all have unique and interesting uh, Valiant also. They all have uh, unique uh, fan bases that really love their books. Like IDW, I feel, has done an outstanding job with transformers gi joe yeah. um yeah. the ninja turtles just uh, power rangers but power rangers they did a decent you know i mean not power rangers um you know they're independent titles then you have boom studios that took all of the mythology of of the power rangers which is what i was going to lead into and they just created so many exciting and unique things mm-hmm. that really just made people invested in what was essentially just a, a live-action show, there was so much more mm-hmm. that yeah. Boom Studios did from you know crossovers with the Ninja Turtles to all of these other unique stories that yeah. really breathed life into that particular franchise. Valiant, I, I've always felt is incredibly underrated. I mean, they tried to mm-hmm. to mainstream Valiant with Bloodshot with the, with the movie Bloodshot, but there's so many great characters there from Rye to. Uh, magnus robot fighter there's just uh, a, a wealth of characters there that just need a little bit more exposure
0: yeah and it's hard yeah. to tap into that market with the the cinema sector because it's only dominated like by dc and marvel mostly
1: yep uh, you need you need to kind of find alternative uh outlets for things like that that's why like the boys has done so well on amazon and You know, some of these other some of these other stories are doing so well in in these mediums because it's it's introducing them to an audience that may not have uh, picked them up. I mean, Netflix, with their anime, uh, you know, their their increased anime presence is drawing in more casual fans that are that are first time anime watchers that now are into it based on just the work that Netflix is doing in the space. But I think that that's a big part of what these other companies need to do. And I say it often, not everything needs to be a movie. You can, you know, a show, a cartoon. As long as it's good, the audience is going to look for everything associated with that.
0: Yeah. And also with the cartoon space, there's like a lot of marketing that you can use to launch toys and merchandise from that too. Absolutely. And uh, that also hits a, uh, the kid demographic more, which yep. is the big sale to influence their generation to buy books. Because there could be a point where the the physical printing of books is going to be more expensive in circulation distributing that the online catalog will have to be, like, really heavily focused. it's going to be a point where that comes and it's going to be deciding well we can keep compending the same books and get you know, initial sales but the most sales that comics have now it's not the books start up the the idea of that character but it's now merchandise taking over it's true so when's there going to be a point when the Books start being exclusively online, and people holding, like you know how they do with TV shows and having an original programming exclusive to the network. If that's if going to happen with comic books, I think
1: I think with comic books, I, the the necessity and the value that there is in the physical book, especially now with grading and interest, there will always be comics. Yeah. uh tangible comic books but i feel that there's definitely going to be a pendulum shift between people that want to read the medium but don't necessarily want to own it it's the same thing with people that you know we're starting to see that with more people that would like la- would rather stream a movie than buy a blu-ray or a, or a physical disc because they just don't want to deal with the storage or don't want to keep all of that in their home I think that there's gonna there there will always be a home for comics i just think that the consumption of them is going to be a lot different in the in the in the next five years because you're going to have more and more people that just want to read them and less people that want to own them unless they're fully dedicated into being in that space
0: true and the tertiary magic of independent comics what where has there been their unique uh footprint in the industry
1: i think I think you can look at uh you know Todd McFarlane and spawn is a great example here you have a a guinness a Guinness world record book uh from an independent creator from an independent company that's still viable now and more importantly his company is Behind and involved in so many other spaces. I mean McFarlane Toys now is doing action figures for DC And it just goes to show you that this was all built on the backbone of just a, a, a third company and a character that just resonated with so many people and that just goes back to what I said before If the stories are good and the characters are compelling people will find you
0: Okay. So as of rightly the tertiary market has it been really impactful in those streamlined success of originality and separation from the bigger projects
1: i think there's a bigger there's a bigger ability to take risks because you're more inclined to not be at the mercy of quote unquote the larger fan base meaning that when you look at Marvel, Marvel is catering a lot of their stuff towards obviously uh, getting, keeping existing fans, but also selling toys and selling merch. Uh, other companies are looking at it like, let's tell the stories that we want to tell, and if they're good, people will people will tune in. I mean, Invincible is a great example. That's a cartoon that's that's based on a book that is ultra violent. The subject matter is completely. Not the norm yeah. for for yeah. certain fans, and they found success because they found a place that supports that creativity. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know when you look at the the, the tertiary market mm-hmm. uh, of, of companies, more and more creativity and the ability to have more freedoms is going to allow them to do more.
0: Yeah. yeah, and also with the tertiary market, you also have like stuff like the webtoons, the web comics, and the indie comics too. Making no impact in the consumption of just online presence. Absolutely. Like, is there a particular web comic that you think was really done and had lots of success?
1: Um, you know, my my consumption of of web comics is a little limited just mm-hmm. based on my personal schedule. But I do see a lot of independent creators really doing a lot of stuff. I mean, Black Sands Entertainment. Uh, you know they have this original library of characters. They're doing these really unique stories. They were recently even on Shark Tank yeah. to get funding. Yeah. And um, seeing that unfold, and the fact that they got like they got buy-in from a guy like Ke- I believe it was Kevin Hart that invested in the company. When you see something like that, you really understand that. Like I said, if you're bringing something compelling to the to, to the to the general public. There's going to be interest in it. It's just a matter of making sure to package it in a way that can get people talking and get people's attention.
0: True. Because I know, like, Webtoons is huge in South Korea. And they're bringing more and more people going to that, even if they're not from the Korean representation, there's still people coming in doing Webtoons as well. And that's a big market, too i
1: think i think that webtoons and and those properties will pick up more steam when they get adopted by these larger companies meaning that they start investing more in that space so if a popular webtoon gets picked up by netflix and then netflix does a series on it it's a win-win because then the people that enjoy the series on netflix will then seek out the the original source material or the books because there's going to be that curiosity that's going to get them interested.
0: Yeah, and also the visual programming with uh, webtoons. They've been picked up recently by Crunchyroll and streamlining that as well. Right. Yep. Crunchyroll
1: is a great is a great example of that, you know. The Crunchyroll has a dedicated fan base and there's a thriving thriving community that's going to get more people talking. And it's just a matter of getting that property in front of the right in front of the the right set of eyes mm-hmm. that can take that to the next level.
0: Cause I, like for me, I didn't necessarily grew up with the comics. I grew up with the animated TV shows right so my connection to the universes is like well. I really like this animated series, and I dove into... You know, I... I could possibly look into a online subscription for comic books, but what mostly I've been doing, people going in comic walkthroughs of explaining the story is a medium that I found to be very successful with me understanding the comic. Right. And I don't know okay. if that is necessarily better because that's not supporting the creator that made the comic
1: well you know what it is uh, again it just it just reinforces that curiosity if yeah. if, if the creator is going to be excited as if if their if their property is just being enjoyed yeah, yeah absolutely you want to sell more books you want to do uh, you want to get brand deals etc but there's plenty of small companies and small creators that do unique things that have a dedicated and passionate fan base yeah. that go out of their way to put those products on other people's radar. But like I said before, it's just a matter of them being in front of the right set of people.
0: True. And I feel like there's like hour and a half comic walkthroughs are actually really expansive in what is going on in that storyline. Well, it's also the, the the fact that independent creators... Uh, content
1: creators like yourself, me and many others are going out of their way to put these books in front of the new audiences and sharing these new stories. Because sometimes people, you have to kind of go where the people are. So if you're a creator and you want to do a book that's catered towards a younger demographic, then you want to make sure to promote that book on like TikTok, or you want to try and put images of the book on Instagram. You want to try and do things where other artists can draw your characters that way you can just get people to talk and and be interested and be like wow that's a cool character where's that character from oh it's from this anime or hey it's from this web comic or hey it's from this other thing would you like to learn more here's where you can check it out i think that this is an instance where social media is very very crucial to getting certain things on people's radar
0: True, and another. I think one of the older comics, Archie Comics, is doing really well just because they've been around so long. Yep.
1: Longevity is key, and so is a dedicated fan base.
0: Yeah, and you know the the way they publicize their books. Like I think it's multiple chapters in one book or standalone stories. Am not
1: mistaken? Yep. Yeah, there's there's standalone stories. I mean, I haven't read an Archie comic in a long time. Yeah. But if I remember correctly, they used to have separate stories in one book.
0: So it's kind of, like, interesting that they... I still see it... I mean, I look at, you know, Foodline, I'm still seeing it on the shelf being, you know, actually being bought. So... There you go. We have a book space, and the, they're in that book space. And near the front. And that's, I keep seeing them more over other, I guess, other comic-related books. Right. Because usually they're like in book format, so it actually is really easier. Makes sense. I also, I also think that, you know, uh, the unique spin on content creation... Like, what is the, like, evolution of content creation over the years in all comics?
1: I think that there's more... There's more intimacy now with the creation, because Mm -hmm. when, when uh, when I was reading books when I was younger, you had, like, Wizard the magazine, and you had, you know, previews and things like that that would kind of keep you up to date with what was going on, what was coming onto shelves, but the the beauty of, of our current landscape of, of content creation is that it allows people to talk about their, their passions in a way that can probably get more people involved. If you do comic reviews on Instagram or YouTube, et cetera, these are things that were originally left to major media platforms to do. And now here you are, you know, smaller creator, Um, And you're doing this and now you're creating an audience and people take notice. I mean, there's so many creators Mm -hmm. from TikTok that do Marvel content that now they're at red carpets. They're uh, sharing major news with their audiences because their content is so good and it's so favorable. And more importantly, it doesn't cost companies like Marvel or DC anything.
0: True. It's free press. It's free publicity. Yep. Because, you know, they're giving the, uh, basically, they're giving them the right to use fair use as the transformative nature of their content into a new wave of understanding that content.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, there's always there's always going to be a bit of a disconnect because there's... That, you know, the, the, depending on which platform you're using and yeah. and what you're relying on there, there's it's always going to be issues. But if you're talking about it and you're just doing conversational content, yeah. you're going to, you're going to connect with people. Number one, because you're going to show knowledge in the space. And yeah. that's what people are going to want to look at you as you're going to always want to be a, a person, an authority figure. But the other part of it is that you're going to want to deliver it in a way that speaks to people. Sometimes people don't want the big, you know, like people don't want a big 5,000 word article about Batman. They might want a, a five minute video that kind of just gives you the key points of the character. talks about certain stories you might want to read, etc. Yeah, It's just a yeah. matter of finding which medium works best not for you, the creator, and also for your audience. If yeah. that works for them, then that's what you got to dig into.
0: True. And was there like a time where uh, a a small creator trying to take a big name property and use it for content and then actually be implemented for copyright fraud or copyright infringement?
1: I mean, I see it often. I mean, sometimes there's creators that they'll go and, you know, they'll do reaction videos for trailers and the video gets flagged for copyright even though... They're doing a reaction video, and they're talking about it from a commentary sense. Sometimes it can get flagged for copyright strictly from that perspective. I mean, it's something I see often in YouTube.
0: A lot of times with trailers, if you're going to show the video, you have to put it on mute. So you Correct. You can have the original sound with it. You can have the reaction with the image, but you can't put the sound with it. I see that with a lot with music videos, too. Yep if the, basically if there's no sound then it's not the original um the original source material it's changed.
1: Yes. I can agree with that. That happens often. It's a matter of um, again, a matter of, of preference. Yeah. So you you're you're gonna have to if you want to reach that audience, you're gonna have to work a little harder yeah. to, to get out there and get it noticed. So especially if you're dealing with things, like I said, like YouTube and and things of that nature, which, you know, is just going to be a, tar- a tougher, it's going to put a target on your back because you're always going to be at the risk of. And, and I tell this to, to creators all the time, like, like, you know, don't don't just build your your content brand on one platform, because if that platform goes out of business tomorrow, then you're going to lose out. On getting you know the the right amount of, of people tuning in,
0: yeah that's kind of why I went to podcast because uh uh the the variety of podcasts right now if one particular platform like I don't know Apple podcast go out of the business, there's still other platforms that will guarantee back on that that you know trend in the popularity of podcast networks
1: absolutely that is that's a massive it's a it's a massive uh it's a massive thing to discuss Mm -hmm. with regards to that where you know uh, you always you always want to and i tell creators this all the time you want to control every aspect of your media so you always want people to go back to your website you want people to always check out your podcast you want people to always um be part of of the conversation in a space where you know that, hey, I want I want people to check us out here or I want people to, to listen to us on this particular platform. You, it's better to have your own or at minimum just be able to direct people to what works, you
0: know? Yeah. And for me, you know, I don't have a particular website with my podcast, but the branding of the website I use is a Facebook page. That's my website. Right, and I have all my old blog content. You know, I we from blogging to live streaming to podcast, and I found podcasting to be a lot better.
1: I mean, that's 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 one viable thing. But as always, and and again, you know, your your journey is your own. But you should always make sure that all roads from all outlets lead to your house. Yeah, that's yeah. what I tell creators all the time. Like you want people to go to your website, read your newsletter, check out your podcast, etc, but all things, all directions, all paths should lead back to a space that is 100 percent your own. yeah, because if, if Facebook goes out of business tomorrow, all the work you put into cultivating that Facebook audience is gone unless you've been directing them to visit your website, subscribe to your website, your newsletter, your podcast, etc.
0: Well, if Facebook goes out of business, then I can just circum... 7-F circum- gate back to... Right. Uh, I can... Well, I can circumvent back to my RSS feed temporarily and just make a new website. Exactly.
1: And that's what I mean. As long as I always have a strategy in place for... for and and I, I don't tell people to sit yeah. there and, and automatically assume that, that, that Facebook is going out of business or anything else, but you should always account yeah. for what would happen... If, you know, here's a better example. If Facebook crashes for the day, and that's where the bulk of my audience is, where can they go to stay up to date yeah. with my content?
0: Because I also have a link tree as well. I put that right. link tree of all social media, so it's all in one space, mm-hmm. and I've been using Facebook as a way to redirect people to my link tree instead of my old blogging website, which right. I still have my own blogging website too, but I'm not really... Mainstreaming blogs at the moment because I'm focusing on the podcast.
1: Right, and that and that's fine. But maybe you have to the 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 reverse reverse engineering would be you take your podcast and you put it on the blog. Yeah, you put yeah. your show notes there so that you can be easily found on Google, et cetera. Again, everybody's everybody's uh, approach to this varies, you know. True,
0: cool. I, I haven't really considered show notes. Like I mm-hmm. probably put show notes in to implement it. That'd be really cool, just, you know, that would take some time to go into recording and putting in the words that, you know, transcribing.
1: Oh yeah, of course, I mean, there's transcription services, there's a bunch of tools you can use, but I definitely understand, but at the end of the day, even if you do a paragraph, um, you know, paraphrasing the episode, like, hey, this week, I sit down with X, and we discuss X, and you can find out more, by pressing play and listening to the episode you know you just want to make sure that there's a uh there there's all like i said all roads lead back to your stuff
0: yeah i uh, usually been using like the paragraph with the description of my podcast episode too
1: yep and that's exactly it like uh, like i think people blog. people make things over people complicate things you don't need much like i said you you know a um you, uh, a simple a simple paragraph with the episode, maybe some bullet points, yeah. uh, your you know, links where people can find the rest of your stuff, etc. And that's it. But again, you know, everyone's approach is different. You just gotta find what works for you.
0: True. And in a worst case scenario, I can just use the SoundCloud as the like go to website because I've seen other podcasts that the SoundCloud is actually the main website they're using for content.
1: Yeah, I, I personally don't recommend that only because SoundCloud's future is not very secure. Yeah. So it's I always tell people again, just it, it, like Facebook or some of these other brands, it's it's harder to say oh they're gonna go out of business or they're gonna fold. Yeah. SoundCloud is 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 notoriously always on the radar of content creators or veteran podcasters as a as an outlet to not use because of you know their longevity
0: I'm just I'm just using it because it's an easy access to just upload everything no no, no
1: absolutely absolutely but you know it's just I'm I'm just giving you the, that perspective of how it's viewed in the space
0: yeah I I think I only went to SoundCloud because I know there's an audience in SoundCloud right and you know it's like I know it's a limited audience but if some people might like it because it's like mostly music then maybe people will go to it I you know
1: well, yeah, I, never, never shy away from having your, yeah. your, your podcast or your content everywhere, yeah. but like yeah. I said, make sure that all roads on the highway lead back to your house.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I still need to, if I want to invest in an original website, then I'll have to have a, a domain as well. Correct. Got to buy a domain,
1: um, you know, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of different Places that make pod, uh, website creation easy. I mean, ten years ago it was a lot more difficult. Now you can go to WordPress.com, pick a theme, point your your domain to it, and just build a site that way. You can go to Squarespace. You can do. Yeah. I mean, Wix has its own fan base. I personally am not a fan, but you know, it is. It, it's it's definitely a, a platform that people can do. You know. Yeah.
0: So, with the comic market you feel like right now what's that what's that gonna be that big shift that's gonna make the popularity even better um i think
1: if if we if we were gonna i'm gonna separate it a little bit yeah. if we were gonna look at each company individually mm-hmm. i think marvel Marvel definitely needs to continue to utilize uh Disney plus to showcase characters that don't necessarily need big movies. Yeah. Like, it's cool that if you want to make sure that the movies and, and the shows are all within the same universe, that's fine. But not everything needs to connect 100%. It can connect loosely. Yeah. And that's fine. And I think that the minute they do that, there's, you know, there's plenty of characters that can benefit from, um, like I said, just, just the weekly episodic series. Like, um, Ghost Rider's one, you know, he could ride to a different town every episode and fight a different bunch of demons every episode, and then it'll culminate into one big story yeah. at the end. Sure, you could do a movie as well, but there's certain characters that just they they play better in a in a series. Like um, like I felt that that while the Black Widow movie was good, I felt that would have translated well into a series.
0: Yeah,
1: but again, that's that's just a personal a personal feeling. In DC's case, I think that DC should not focus on chasing Marvel so much yeah. and trying yeah. to create this giant connected universe. If you want to do it, let it happen on its own, but don't force it. Because it, it, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, and you went from Batman, Batman, you went from Superman to Batman versus Superman to introducing Wonder Woman to Wonder Woman to Justice League. And then Aquaman didn't have a film. I believe Aquaman ended up coming out after, if I remember correctly. But I just feel that they did way too much too quickly instead of just building on those characters. Like, uh, sure, you could have had Batman show up in Batman versus Superman, but before doing Justice League, you should have done uh, a Ben Affleck Batman movie.
0: Yeah. yeah. You
1: know? and, and you should have built out those characters individually so that the actors and actresses can grow into those roles. But... Yeah. Like I said, uh, uh, looking, uh, you know, going backwards and saying that is fine, but going forwards, they should definitely focus on, like you said, having a stronger animated audience because their animated stuff is very good, and then focus on just doing good films in general. Like right now, the Batman, everybody's excited for it, and it's not tied to anything. It might be tied to something but it doesn't necessarily need to be. Yeah. And then, you know, tertiary companies need to continue to leverage platforms like Hulu and Amazon and Netflix yeah. and, and yes. really just grow those audiences because those audiences can definitely be very instrumental if it comes time to go to Uh, The big screen, because they'll follow that property to the big screen if it's something they truly, truly enjoy.
0: Yeah, and the uh, original programming that those particular companies can offer that platform is also a huge bonus, too. Yep. And they can streamline that success off the original, you know, they get the rights to exclusively have that TV show. Then they can slowly, like, move into a movie and maybe have, like, television rights, and the movie rights are separate. Correct. There's different ways they can actually legislate their branding of that name. Correct. I mean, it's definitely one way to look at it. I don't know, I feel like the market is so diverse that anyone can make the biggest impact and still do really well.
1: I mean, I feel that that this is an amazing time to be a fan in the space because there's so much that you can look forward to and enjoy that there's, there's truly something for everyone at this juncture.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, my personal connection has been through other mediums introducing me to it. I'm still highly interested, but maybe, you know, I should get to a subscription service to read more content. I think that would be a good transition from my understanding of the properties.
1: Yeah, I mean, for, you know, paying paying the $9.99 Kindle subscription or Mm -hmm. Comixology or, you know, if you want to go directly through Marvel or directly through DC... I think that's just a great way to really stay up to date. Yeah. And not only that, but also read up on characters that might be completely new. And it will it's a smaller investment than trying to go and trying to hunt down every book in a comic book store. But, again, this is strictly from uh, wanting to get better acquainted yeah. and more familiar with the characters. Yeah. Because <laughs>
0: it'll provide, you know, not only the audience... Uh, me a connection to that. I don't really necessarily have Introduced me to the more of the content because right now. I'm just relying on well if this content creator on YouTube is making this big hour-and-a-half video displaying this story then it just takes away from me reading the actual story Right, I agree And
1: Like other- I said, I would I would definitely look at more subscription services just to like i said be more familiar with those characters and yeah. like i said it, it, it'll be it'll be better on it'll be better on your wallet in the long run unless you want to invest like i said and pick up the first appearances maybe get a couple of books graded, keep them on the side but other than that i always tell people like listen you can subscribe to Comicsology for a month or two read all the books you want and if you don't and if you don't have the time to read anymore you just cancel the subscription and go about your business
0: true I feel like that's a great, uh, way to connect more if you're interested, you know. Also, I also feel that particular, I I feel like I can read more in a short amount of time just based on the manga I've read and, you know, like how much time it's actually involved in reading it. It's a lot less than watching the actual TV shows.
1: Well yeah, I mean, you know, a manga, you could read a manga in the bathroom, you could read a manga on the train or on the bus. And sure, you could watch it on your phone, but not you don't know, not everyone has that time, you know?
0: Yeah. And also if I've, like if there's not like that property hasn't have another adaptation, the comic book is really good for that. Yep. Agreed. Like, comics for me Like, there's a lot of dialogue, and you read the dialogue pretty quickly, but it's mostly dialogue-focused. True. Which is not bad. It makes you enjoy the content a little bit more.
1: It does, it does. Again, it's just a matter of preference. It's just a matter of media consumption preference and how you choose to to consume your media and what's also more convenient for you. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So, throughout your political, like your career for comics and being influential in the space, what is the one moment you found that you, when you created that project, was very successful? Um,
1: I think I, I'd have to go back to when I was doing my original podcast and just being able to sit down with actors or or actresses or people in the community mm-hmm. whose work I truly enjoyed and being able to share that that excitement with my audience I, I think overall like I can't I can't put a price on that because it's 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 interesting to talk amongst this stuff with your friends yeah but when you're yeah. talking about it in such a public in such a public fashion it it, it that excitement is infectious yeah and it makes yes. other people want to check out your stuff and the stuff you're talking about so there was never one particular moment. I think it was just a culmination of many moments of just being able to share it with so many people.
0: So you just, the building of the community and just talking about the passion is basically the best moment you can have.
1: Yeah, I think so. Because like I said, you there's, I, I can pick one moment and one moment might be amazing for one thing, but there's another moment that's amazing for something else. Yeah. So it's, it would be a disservice for me to pl- pluck out one in particular but I think that, you know, the overall journey is, and being able to share it with so many people and share it on such a, a large scale has been one of the best parts of this entire endeavor.
0: True. And you hit, you know, once you capitalize on that, you keep doing the similar thing. And then you have the, the collective of everything you did as an achievement. Yep. And Correct. You have a, a body
1: of work of everything. to reflect on. 100%.
0: Um, that wraps up this particular episode and the content of, you know, comics with DC, Marvel, and the tertiary market and how each one is finding their own impact and the success of what comics represent. Uh, is there anything you want to say on the closing arguments?
1: Um, just want to, as always, tell everyone to consume consume the media in a way that's that's more convenient for you. Um, if you love these characters and you love these books, um, first and foremost, definitely try to, to purchase the books because purchasing the books shows the companies that these, popu- that these characters are popular and that they should keep certain books in circulation. A lot of times characters don't get enough of a fair shot because they're not moving enough books. But if the books are good, they're just not connecting with as many audiences. So definitely if you can and if your space allows, definitely always lean into the books first. But if you want to increase your knowledge on the characters and and just feel more confident in the medium that you're watching, then definitely, you know, rely, you know, lean into a subscription service. So yeah. books first, digital second. And I think that uh, you, know, you know, using both of them is just going to give you a greater experience when you consume uh, your favorite comics or movies on the big screen or the small screen. Because then you'll feel more in touch with those characters and you'll know more of their backstories. Yeah. yeah.
0: You get to know what motivates them, what triggers them, what is their right. experience and the foundation of what, who they are, who they represent, how they came to be. And also overall you get the knit and gritty of them evolving as the character as well. This is true. And, you know, one final note that I might have is comics are such a interesting medium in the sense that it's the story that connects the audience and the audience relates it back to the story that that gives them joy. They are the the principal success of that character, and that character moving forward. For me, I believe that supporting the original creators is foremost the most principal aspect to take a part on, but also you can even support them to the merchandise. The merchandise also continues sales past due when that comic ended. As well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's another 20 years from now that merchandise can still sell, giving profit to, you know, who made that character. They get like royalties and all that stuff. And then the company is also getting money off of it. You know, if they get enough profit margin off of it, they could say, well, this merchandise is selling a lot more that's a way to, like, look at this character and say, maybe there's enough adventures to fall back back on this character as well. Agreed. But, yeah, that's the uh, closing of the episode. I want to congratulate everyone to come back to another episode and check out uh, Rageworks and what they offer and overall the content that they bring to the space.
1: I appreciate you for having me. Um, Thank you again for the opportunity to be able to share uh, some of my knowledge with your audience. And like he said, make sure to check us out on RageWorks.net or RageWorksPodcastNetwork.com. And if you're on any particular social media platform, just punch in RageWorks and you'll be able to find us there as well.
0: All right, guys. Thank you. Enjoy.